0: Hi, my name is Chanel Utley-Allen, and you're listening to Caribbean Booth Stories. Welcome. There's never been a podcast that focuses on Caribbean women from all walks of life, narrating their journey of giving birth, navigating self-care postpartum, and parenting across our beautiful region. Now there is. Caribbean Booth Stories is committed to providing a space for honest, non-judgmental conversations fostering a supportive community of listeners inspired to share and act on the resources born out of every episode. Do enjoy. Hello beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of Caribbean Boot Stories. Thank you for joining us. Just the thought of my guest today puts the biggest smile on my face. We attended university together and I always felt as though she was my little sister who I needed to protect, but she proved me wrong and really needed my protection. <laughs> that incomparable fighter spirit has stuck with her and, she, and was put to the test as she transitioned to motherhood. Dr. Melissa Francis is a medical doctor who is in her fourth year psychiatry resident, born and raised in beautiful Barbados. How did she manage her expectations of pregnancy being on the other side of the medical profession? Melissa's story is not for the faint hearted, but is the reality of some Caribbean women who experienced giving birth to a premature baby. Without further ado, let's welcome Melissa. Hi, Mel. How, How, are are How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know your schedule anytime. is crazy, it but is. you know, you're carved out some time, and I really, really appreciate it.
1: Anytime, anytime. And that intro was amazing. Thank you. Oh, you're most <laughs> welcome.
0: So yes, let's go straight into it. Okay. Sure. Tell me, what was your journey to motherhood like was it a smooth one
1: well I knew I always wanted to be a mother you know right. you see your mom um, just mothering you and mothering others and you know that instinct really kicked in for me I would say right after medical school and right. pretty soon after I got married right. um so my husband and I, we made the decision, okay, we're going to start to try. By yes. then I was 31 years old. So, you know, you hear about when you get into your thirties, how things go. But right. we decided, okay, we're going to try and we see what happens. Right. Um, getting pregnant was, I would say, pretty easy for my age, because I would say after three months of trying, mm-hmm. we got pregnant. Good. And yes. And the pregnancy was pretty, pretty good. Like I had no issues as it related to the pregnancy itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Doctor's visits were fine.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, my my OB is amazing. So he always would reassure me. You know, being a doctor myself, I had a million more questions. I think I wanted to ask that. How did it feel being on the other side it was hard because you no longer have the control you mm-hmm. would usually have as a doctor. So mm-hmm. you really have to let go and trust somebody else. And mm-hmm. as I was saying, he is amazing. I worked with him at the hospital. Okay. Okay. And at the time, he didn't have a practice when we worked together. And I always said, you know, whenever he gets a practice, I definitely will be using him. Yes. So yes. I went ahead and he was always very reassuring. Everything went Great. Oh, like, sounds I had like a no, smooth pregnancy. Yeah, no, no major issues. There was some, I would not even say morning sickness, but afternoon sickness. Right. <laughs> and that was around, I would say about 18 to 24 weeks. But after okay. that, it quickly went away and things were relatively good up until...
0: Right. We'll
1: get to that.
0: So tell me, what was your experience of being pregnant in the Barbadian culture or Mm -hmm. Bajan culture, like I like to say? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: in Barbados, a pregnant woman is sacred. Let's just say that. She's beautiful. she's confident. Everybody is very respectful. Yes, very accommodating. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely experienced that. Wherever I went, everybody mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, you're and they would always compliment you. Yes, that's, that's one of the things. And you know, as women too, you know, we often wonder in a very vulnerable state how we look. I mean, let's be real, right? Mm-hmm. We always wonder. And my self-esteem, was heightened i think at that time based (laughs) on the response i was getting and Mm -hmm. even at work my patients very protective right (laughs) very protect oh yeah very protective the nursing staff all always very protective to the Mm point they're like oh no you aren't going anywhere you're gonna Mm -hmm. sit here and we'll come to you so (laughs) well that's nice yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. Like in mm-hmm. Barbados, our culture towards pregnant women and I think people who are in vulnerable positions mm-hmm. is always quite, you know, it's it's good. It's good. So I have no issues in that area either.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And but tell me, so are there typical um, I mean Jamaican, Barbadian things that would said to you like cultural things, you know, do this, don't do this, do that, this. Yeah, yeah like yeah. did anybody
1: say anything like Yeah, that I've had two pretty weird ones, right. one of which was eat lots of mangoes because then your child's skin is going to be so smooth. Oh my, I've never heard <laughs> that one. Never yes, heard yes. that one. Mangoes and smooth skin apparently went together. And any and particular type of mango? no just just mangoes mangoes. that was one and then the other one was not sitting on a hot step like don't sit on a hot step like i don't even know i don't even remember the meaning behind that one right but i remember hearing that and going okay Okay. well i won't do that i don't know why (laughs) but i won't be doing it Well, that's
0: okay. So those two. And first for me, I have not heard of those before.
1: Really? Good. Good. So I bring in something new here. Yeah.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for sharing. But during your pregnancy, which sounded like it was pretty smooth. Did you ever at any point in time needed help or needed Mm -hmm. a resource um, Mm -hmm. that you, you know, just to help? Maybe you had Mm -hmm. questions, did you just always go to your OB or were there other services available for you?
1: Yeah. So through my OB, Mm -hmm. right, there would be services in the event that, you know, you didn't feel prepared for motherhood. You started Mm -hmm. to worry about it, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing to be honest I did not need to access those services I knew right. they were there but right. I need, didn't need to access them because my family structure is rock solid and that's something I am so grateful for mm-hmm. from beginning of pregnancy till today I would say because yes. yes. I was running around all morning with Connor with appointments and different things mm-hmm. and if it were not for my mom and my, my dad and my husband and my mm-hmm. sister like you know it's easy to kind of fall in to those areas, but recognizing obviously that everybody does not have a strong, exactly. you know, structure. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable in Barbados, especially when it comes to antenatal care and even postnatal care, too. The yeah. access to counselors, to psychiatrists, very much are there. And I can speak to that for sure because mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, we have ladies who aren't coping for a various amount of reasons, right? Right. But we're very much accessible and um, the services are free. I was just going to ask
0: you I was just going to ask you about access And is it that you guys uh, This is publicized Like how are people Someone listening to this program now How can they access these services
1: Right So what happens is that you deliver I'm going to speak to the public side of things Because Mm -hmm. I'm in the public side of things Mm -hmm. So what happens is After you've delivered at the hospital Mm -hmm. You have a postnatal checkup Okay, Mm -hmm. so then the doctor then asks, you know, how are you coping? You fill out a questionnaire and you get to, you know, kind of vent and and, and disclose things that may be difficult for you. And if it is something the OBGYN is unable to assist with, then a Mm -hmm. referral is made. OK, right. so what happens is that a referral is made to our psychiatry department, at our mm-hmm. public hospital. That's Queen Elizabeth Hospital. It's the only public hospital in Barbados. Right. And you will have a consult on that end in the event that you go home. OK, mm-hmm. and you are trying to struggle with, you know, because it's not easy mental no. health in general. OK, mm-hmm. we're not only talking about postnatally or even antenatally, but mm-hmm whole mental health in general is sometimes difficult for people to access, not because it's not there, but because of the stigma attached. Yes. Okay. So now I can speak as relates to our psychiatric hospital and that's where I work. Okay. Nice. So with us, we have an assessment unit, mm-hmm. which is like the AE department at Queen Elizabeth Hospital. And anybody can walk in. Oh. Anybody at any time is open 24 hours a day. That's oh like gosh. an a department. And you can walk in there and just say, you know, I'm not coping. I am not coping. It's as right. easy as that. I am not coping. And the nurse will see you and kind of assess the situation. And then they'll call a doctor. Okay. Right. And then the doctor assesses you and they take their history. And then we then decide, is this a case that needs admission? Sometimes it does. Right. Or is it a case that can be managed as an outpatient? And then along with our services, does this person also require occupational therapy or or psychology, right? So that is where it goes. And that's available for everybody in terms of mental health. But it's also very much available to ladies, both antenatally and postnatally. So before you have that baby, you might have, you know, some reservations about motherhood am mm. I prepared what am I doing I feel lost yes. and that is something that is very common okay mm-hmm. and that is something we can guide you through um and then postnatally you know there's there's a lot of talk about postpartum depression right. and to take it a bit further there's postpartum psychosis which we don't hear a lot about
0: no we, we don't hear
1: a lot about that but I guess in me divulging all of that is not only for maybe a lady listening to me now, but for their families, because a lot of the time ladies struggle, Mm -hmm. we try to cope with it on our own because at the core women are, you know, we fight, we fight through it. Mm -hmm. But a husband, a mom, a dad, a sister seeing their relatives struggle Mm -hmm. in different ways. And it can present as simply not wanting to take a shower. Simply yes. not wanting to get up to to breastfeed the baby as it's crying. They now, you know, are equipped now with the education in this brief yes. few seconds of just their ways to find help. Correct. Right. And as I could say, I can speak about Barbados and our system because I'm actually in the system. Yes. But we definitely encourage you to do it and encourage you to get that help before it gets to a point where it's difficult to turn back if you get what yeah. I mean.
0: That yes. That is just so invaluable. Thank you so yes. much for sharing no, no that. Problem. because I had no, no idea. I mean, yes. being outside of Barbados that this was available. Yes. I think that's a fabulous system. Um, Absolutely. It being free, it being available 24 seven, because yes. you don't just feel depressed in the day. If you're feeling depressed, you might exactly. feel depressed at midnight or two o'clock when you wake up. Correct. So Correct. that's just fantastic. Yeah. But let's go back to, you now. Tell me a little bit about Describe your labor and delivery and everything in the lead up to that.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and I remember so clearly up to this morning, I was telling my husband, I remember it being a Tuesday morning because my mom came downstairs and Mm -hmm. she was at my door and Mm -hmm. I just felt this trickle Mm -hmm. of fluid. Yes. Right. Down my leg. And I was like, this is weird, and at this point, I was 30 weeks, right? Okay, yes. So, I called my OB, he was not in the office at the time, so he mm-hmm. told me his colleague was there, who mm-hmm. I also know quite well. So, I had no problems going in until he arrived, right? So, I went, he examined me, and he was like, You know, I'm not quite seeing anything, but you just go home and monitor it. And any issue, you call us back, right? So, I said, Okay, but. Looking back on it, this is mm-hmm. the doctor in me that, you know, you care so much about your patients. For any time you hear you're okay, then you think, okay, so now it's time to go to work. And I remember mm-hmm. one of my colleagues, I called her and I was like, okay, so this is what happened but the doctor said it's okay and and so I'll be in shortly and she goes what? oh no 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 you will be home you're not leaving and I was like but I'm fine and she's like no yes. you are going to stay home and yes. you're going to watch this so I said okay you know first time mom I, yes. I felt fine I wasn't mm-hmm. having contractions didn't have any more trickling I felt it was fine but looking back on it it was a good decision to stay home and this right. is why because then the trickling started again Mm. so I called my OB and again he says you need to come in yeah now it's so funny when I think back on it because two weeks to before that so at 28 weeks I started to pack my bag for the hospital Mm -hmm. and my mom was like girl what are you doing it's so early like what are you doing and I'm like mom I just feel like I should do this yeah I think I should do this Mm -hmm. and no and behold I put the the bag in the trunk as we are going to my OB, and my mother looks at me like, "It's a good thing you did that." <laughs> 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 yep. Because when I got there, he examined me and he said, "Melissa, I am going to have to admit you. Mm. I'm going to have to admit you. I cannot see where this is coming from, but I'm going to have to admit you because we're going to have to do some swabs and some investigations." To kind of figure out what is happening. So because did he, he confirm know. that it was amniotic fluid or yes he didn't know. to yeah. confirm that it was amniotic fluid. So we, we were able to confirm that. Right. And we did an ultrasound and everything. Connor was perfectly fine. That's his mm-hmm. name, Connor. yeah He's perfectly fine. Kicking it like kicking around and flipping around and he was fine. So mm-hmm. but when he said to me you have to be admitted full tears.
0: Of course
1: Full tears And I'm going to tell you why Mm -hmm. At 30 weeks Although in Barbados Technically you're viable The baby's viable That we hit that point at 28 weeks Mm -hmm. I knew his lungs were not developed Yeah And I knew he was not to term And I knew he needed that extra two months to mature mature. Mm -hmm. so immediately my mind went to all the possible complications that could arise because I'm thinking yes right now we might have a trickle but by the time I get to the hospital my water might completely break Mm
0: -hmm. and I
1: might need to have this baby at 30 weeks Mm. so tears 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 and being the great OB he was or is and the great friend he had become to me at that point of course, he, trust, he, he comforted me. I trusted him fully. Yeah. And we made our way down to the hospital. And he was like a hawk. Like he watched me every day mm-hmm. <laughs> before his surgeries, before he went to his clinic. He was coming to me to make sure that I was OK because mm-hmm. my comfort was important to him. Mm-hmm. And it is something that I needed because I was now on the other side of things i was now lying down in a hospital in a bed, bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as yeah. opposed to being a doctor speaking to my patient in the hospital mm-hmm. bed so taking his instruction was a little difficult i will say mm-hmm. but i obliged because i understood you know the seriousness of the situation yeah so let me get you to pause
0: there because yes. you, you mentioned quite a few things that i think are critical because okay. part of the caribbean is yes to inform expectant mothers, but I also would love if healthcare professionals are able to listen to the birth stories as well, because as a woman comes in, as you as a doctor know you they they come with their story, and we yeah. need to be able to hear and truly yeah. listen to what they are saying Same. because yeah. we, and not just look at their signs and symptoms and determine okay x is. The solution or this is the diagnosis and this is your Absolutely. prognosis and you take this medication without even hearing the context and mm-hmm. and their story of what has transpired yeah. so now that you were in that position on the bed where yeah. someone else is coming to you and asking you those questions yes you know you really spoke to the fact that it's important that they listen to you mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. but also that you felt seen. Yes, absolutely. So that's that's absolutely. so important.
1: It like. is. And it was for me as a doctor it is important As you beautifully said, that you feel seen. Mm -hmm. I want my patients to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel Mm -hmm. cared for, you know, like this person cares about me. I don't want them to think, oh, well, my doctor is rushing me through because she has 20 other patients. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just so important. And I absolutely felt that. I felt that from my OB. I felt that from the junior staff that would have Mm -hmm. assisted him. I felt that from the nurses, they were incredible. Mm -hmm. Like I felt that down to the lady who was delivering my meals. Mm -hmm. I felt that. Yeah, Yeah, it was very important. It kind of reiterated to me that, you know, once I've left this experience, I need to continue to see my patients. I need to. Yeah. It's so important.
0: Yeah. So, right. So I stopped you, but that was so critical. I just had to, but yeah. (laughs) So, okay. You're on the bed watching you. What happens?
1: Right. So now we're three weeks, six days in of bed rest. So you're on complete bed rest. You you can't get up. Well, I was able to get it to go to the bathroom. Okay, but that was it. I'm not going no further than the bathroom. Okay. So after three weeks and six days on bed rest in the hospital, one morning I get up, quite normal, and I go to the bathroom, and this huge gush. Oh, just yeah. And I say, okay, well, this this has to be it now. Like yeah. this has got to be it because I cannot imagine three weeks of these little trickles, right. That you're monitoring. And then this huge gush that I've never experienced before. I knew it was that. So I called the nurse and I let her know and she immediately called my OB and he was there in like, I'm not kidding. Two minutes. He was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause he was already in the hospital and it was his, um, operating theater today so he was preparing oh. <laughs> to start his list and of yes. course Connor was like oh no you aren't starting that today <laughs> we are coming so <laughs> oh
0: <my laughs> he goes gosh. and he
1: says to me because we, we we do a lot of back and forth banter teasing each other yeah he says to me hmm do you want the good news or do you want the bad news and I was like don't play with me do not play with me. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. I cleared my OT room and I'm taking you there now. You're having this baby today.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. And my husband, Jamal, was at home on his way up. And my parents were on their way up because my dad would always make me breakfast. Aww. I bring me breakfast Daddy Hall. Yeah, he would do that every day. And, and now we're on that topic. And my aunt was making me lunch every day. Also amazing. I tell you. <sighs> Amazing! And I remember,
0: this is a side story, not really yes. this at all, but I remember in school, right? Yes. At university, coming yes. over to visit you and you would always be sweeping this kitchen. Forever <laughs> <laughs> sweeping your kitchen. And I'm like, but <laughs> Melissa, why are you always sweeping your kitchen? Really kitchen? And you said to me, your father used to sweep the kitchen every single
1: day. Yes. Still does. Still and I does. was like amazed by that.
0: Yeah. Like.
1: Yeah. So, he, right after he cooks, because he's big on breakfast and he does right. breakfast for the entire household, clean down the whole place. Right. So he is that a has star. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, OK, yeah. so you're getting your breakfast and your yeah, lunch. So I was getting my breakfast, getting my lunch. Mm-hmm. And so they were on their way to the hospital to bring breakfast like usual. Mm-hmm. Right, and I called them and I was like, Listen, y'all need to get here right now. Connor is coming, he is coming. So, by the time they got there, well, Jamal would obviously have come into the operating theater with me because it was an emergency c section, yes. Um. And my parents were outside. So my pediatrician also absolutely amazing. When I tell you, I had the most amazing people, Mm. the most amazing people. And I worked with her, too, as an intern at the hospital. And her, too, I was like, she's going to have to be my child's pediatrician. And this was a whole six, seven years before, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So she came and she was like, you know, he, he's come early. He's going to come early. So today we're at 33 weeks and six days. Yes. But I'm going to be here. I'm here to support you. I have another senior with me mm. to assist me. And I knew the other senior too. So right. I felt comfortable. She said, but just to prepare you, knowing that he is a little early. And I must say, I was given... Um, Steroid injections, right? Two steroid I was to injections. To ask that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To kind of mature his lungs. Because as I mentioned earlier, it would have been difficult at that age or by that gestational age for him to be born with fully matured lungs. Yeah. So what the injections do is that, that they kind of assist in speeding up the development of those lungs so that by the time the baby's born, they have a pretty good chance of breathing on their own. Yeah. Right. So she prepared me, you know, even though you've had those injections, he may not be born kicking and screaming as we we often see, but, you know, I'm there to support. Mm -hmm. So I go into the operating theater. The anesthesiologist is amazing. Everybody's amazing. And they do a really good job in calming me down Mm -hmm. and kind of preparing me for what's happening. And my OB, he literally is step by step telling me what he's doing because he knows I am that kind of control free. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, okay, Melissa, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And Connor's coming. And the thing is is that we had this name for Connor from the time I knew he was a boy. Right. And I was able to know the sex at 11 weeks. And the way how I did that, yeah, is because... Being in my thirties, um, my OB would have recommended we do something called the harmony test yes, yes. and that, yes. So that basically screams for any genetic or chromosomal abnormalities that may Correct. occur. Mm-hmm. And you have the, the option of finding out if it's a boy or a girl. So mm-hmm. I absolutely did that. Mm-hmm. And I chose the name Connor because it means strong willed. Oh. And it was so fitting. Mm. It was so fitting because as soon as he was born, my Obi was like, and here is Connor, and he is bawling. Balling. Yes. Yeah, so everybody was like, oh my God. And, you know, it was just lungs clean. Really, yeah. Yes. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. And she My pediatrician then put him on the table and she examined him. She made sure he was okay, And then she wrapped him up and she brought him to me. And, you know, we got our first kiss and it was it was beautiful. And then she took him outside and my parents were in the hallway with my sister and and they were able to see him. So I have those pictures, you know, from their point of view, seeing him Mm. come out. And it was absolutely amazing. Amazing. So how much did he weigh? He weighed four pounds and seven ounces. Wow. Mm-hmm. He was a little, little thing. A tiny he was thing. quite long, very, very long. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just under five pounds. Mm-hmm. Yes. So,
0: okay. Ooh. Um, so yes. I assume you had, like, I'm guessing emotional because you yes. know that yes. that is just so powerful. What happened there? And for him to come out screaming for his life, you know, I know. and I also wonder sometimes about these names that we choose for our children, yes. you know, yes. you really can't take it lightly because nope. with what you choose, yeah, I personally feel impacts them in some way. And, yes. um, Yeah. For him to come out strong-willed, literally, you know, that's crazy. So, okay. (laughs) So that has happened. You've had your surgery and, um, they're closing you back up. Um, talk to me a little bit about your postpartum in the hospital.
1: Yes, so right after surgery, then, I was taken to recovery room. They continued to monitor my vitals, monitor for bleeding, any complications. Right. Um, after a couple hours and feeling you know things were pretty good, I then went back to my room okay. and from there immediately, I started to try to pump. Because I knew that he would have gone down to NICU. I'm not sure how long he would have been there. The agreement was that, you know, once the lung function was good, he was breathing on his own. He was he would come right back up to me, even at right. 36, at 33 weeks, six days, almost 34 weeks, he would have come back to me. So I said, OK, well, let's get this milk, you know, let's try to induce. Yes. So I started to pump from there. It was a very difficult process, but the nurses were very encouraging. It was like, you know, this is normal. Just continue to try. Right. Um, Having a cesarean section, obviously there was pain involved, but I must say the pain was not unbearable.
0: Mm-hmm. It wasn't
1: unbearable at that point.
0: Yeah. And did but, the yeah. nurses give you any specific advice about taking care of like your C-section scar and, you know, the do's and don'ts for physically. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So at the very beginning, what the nurses would have encouraged and assisted me in was not laying in bed too long. Mm -hmm. So trying to get up and there's something called splinting, where, because of pain, we try to hold ourselves in these positions, right? To lessen the pain as much as possible, but can can be detrimental Mm -hmm. at a certain level. So they would always encourage me, you know, step out of bed, even if you just sit at the edge of the bed and slowly get up and straighten Mm -hmm. your back as much as you can and then you get back into bed. And I was quickly able to do that. I was quickly Mm -hmm. able to do that. I was quickly Mm -hmm. able to go to the bathroom because the catheter was also placed because of surgery. And that was quickly taken out and i was able to go to the bathroom on my own so right after surgery i would say because the surgery was very much in the morning Mm -hmm. so by evening afternoon going into evening time i was able to sit at the edge of the bed and raise my back and yeah so i was able to do that very much so
0: do you think certain assumptions were made because you're a medical doctor so they didn't necessarily spell everything out for you mm-hmm. because they assume um,
1: I think actually no. Now that okay. I think back on it, mm-hmm. I think they recognize that Dr. Francis is a new mom.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She's
1: never done this before. And mm-hmm. Reading it in a book and saying it to your patients is one thing, Mm -hmm. but I think they recognize the experience of motherhood and doing that, you know, is new to me. And they Mm -hmm. were amazing with that. Like, I think I've said amazing a hundred (laughs) times already, but that's the best word. (laughs) That's the best word. That's the best word to use to describe them. Mm -hmm. And just the patience. The patience Mm -hmm. and the love I think they have for their job definitely Mm -hmm. spilled over to me. And I will say there were times when I may have been a little spoiled. There there were, there were. It sounds Uh, that way. Yes, (laughs) there were times, there were times. But in general, I think they literally took it down to layman's terms for me. And I appreciated that so much because at that point I was a doctor. I was a Excited but scared mom, right? Who needed that. I really did need that support. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, how old is Connor now? Oh, Connor's three. He turned three in January, the 30th of January. So he is a big three, a very tall three. (laughs) Yeah. And so now that it's three years,
0: how do you feel fully recovered from the Hmm. physical experience of giving birth? Uh, the emotional experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and if not what do you think is hindering you
1: yeah so physically mm-hmm. during that pregnancy I gained about 30 pounds I would say about mm-hmm. 30 pounds and yeah. then I was able to because of breastfeeding that eventually got a little better but mm-hmm. we didn't breastfeed for quite long and I like, will get into that yeah um but I lost some weight with the breastfeeding Mm-hmm. But then in breastfeeding While you're sitting there You're also snacking Yeah. So I put back on some weight I know some yes. women definitely will Understand what Sad. I'm saying yep.
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I got to the point Where my husband and I Would have taken our first trip Together with Connor mm-hmm. um, To his godparents house Who I absolutely see as my in-laws Because they're amazing too Right. And they spoiled me there And I ate <laughs> way too much <laughs> And I gained a lot of weight, and this is where the I guess the first time I felt, and this is me being real and honest, mm-hmm. and I felt my self esteem drop. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you why because I am accustomed going into stores, not trying on clothes, and just picking yes, down the size because you hate to try on clothes. I remember that. <laughs> I do not like to try clothes on. I hate it. I Mm -hmm. hate it. And you just grab something, you pay for it, you leave, right? Mm -hmm. But I got to the point one day where I did that and I went home and I loved the outfit and it couldn't fit. Mm -hmm. It did not fit me. And I was like, this is not good. Mm -hmm. And when we got home from New York, my Mm -hmm. husband, as incredible as he is, he is... An amazing, amazing coach. Mm-hmm. He's a teacher first by profession. He teaches physical right. education, but he also is a coach and physical trainer. So I said to him and he knows his wife is very, very stubborn, you see. So he knows in order to get me to do things, I have to be ready. Yeah. So he allowed me that space to be ready. And I said to him, you know, babe, I really need to start doing something, not only from my physical health, but for my mental health, because mm-hmm. it started to affect my self-esteem. Yeah. So we started, we started very slowly. And, you know, and I would say within eight months, I would have lost 30 pounds. Right. So, yeah. So I was back to my pre pregnancy Pregnancy weight. weight. I'm trying my best to keep up with it now, but my schedule and my energy levels, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. But Mm -hmm. I really have to make the effort to keep up with the exercise, even though I've lost the weight, yes. But as a general, you know the general picture of health. Curves. So I really need to start back mm-hmm. and in terms of emotional to this point. Yes. As I was saying, it is it is where now I am able to really tell the story. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because we've spoken about, you know, up to his delivery, but not quite yet what happened after. Mm-hmm. And the after Is I think where the fight, not only in me, (laughs) that that I knew I had in me, but I was being tested, but where I really put Connor's name to the test. Yeah. So Uh now I'm able to tell this story without tears and with a smile on my face because I see the outcome. This amazing child that I have and the accomplishments he's he's had in these three years. Mm -hmm. Like he from the age of two, he knew his full alphabet. He was counting from zero to one hundred and tens. And then it is recently now like a week after his third birthday. And I was teaching him words and sight words. You know, you're having fun or whatever. Yes. And something said to me, oh, just just write a simple sentence on the board because he has hmm. a, a, a dry erase board. Right. And Connor stood there and he just he read the sentence. Wow. It is. It, he truly is a miracle.
0: He, is he really miracle. is. <laughs> he is. Well, now you have to tell us about yeah. what happened yeah. after.
1: Yeah. So after the C section, I me mm-hmm. going back into my room, you know, everybody was happy and when I got back in there, it was filled with flowers and balloons yeah. and amazing. Okay? Mm-hmm. But then my pediatrician noticed that Connor started to have some breathing difficulties. Mm-hmm. All right, and his oxygen saturations, where the level of oxygen in his blood mm-hmm. was a little low. It, it was lower than we would have liked. Yes. So she said to her, it looked to her, based on what she was seeing, like a diagnosis of something called pulmonary hypertension. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a discrepancy between the the pressures in the lungs and his ability to maintain his breaths, basically. Mm -hmm. So in seeing that she continued to support him with oxygen therapy and we would have um, consulted a cardiologist where they would have done an echo, which is an ultrasound of the heart Mm -hmm. um, and the lung area just to see what was happening. Right. When the diagnosis was confirmed, It was revealed to us at that point that the treatment for pulmonary hypertension is something called nitric oxide gas. We don't have that in Barbados. Mm. So immediately my heart stopped because I'm like, Okay, so we don't have that. What are we doing? What are we doing? Because I'm a doer. Obviously, he needs it. So how are mm-hmm. we guessing this next oxide? His pediatrician, who is affiliated with hospitals in the States, because that's where she did her training. Mm-hmm. She was saying to me, well, you know, Melissa, we're going to have to get him to Miami. Hmm. So I'm saying, wait, how did we get here? Yes. How do you mean get him to Miami? Like, how do you mean? I said, is there no place closer, you know, mm-hmm. that he wouldn't have to go, that they could just ship it in? Yes. Like, you know, because for a baby, four pounds, seven ounces. how' he will take a plane. Mean, yeah. Yes. How do you mean on a plane? She says to me, no, the only other place is Columbia. With Columbia and with Colombian only the language mm-hmm. difference. And you're not yes. sure the hospital situation. Yeah. She's like, no, I'm going to have to get him to Miami. Oof. So I say, OK, well, if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. So she said, OK, I'm going to start writing my referral letters. I'm going to send fax them off. I'm going to contact them so they know we're getting Connor there. So she does that. She comes back to me at this point. Let me just lay the groundwork here for a minute. I'm in my hospital room. Connor's at NICU. She's talking to me in my hospital room. And Obviously, there's a cost involved. Yes. So in these states, they're not going to, I mean, brilliant care. But obviously, and with any business, because at the end of the day, medicine is a business. You want to make sure that your customer is able to pay. Pay. Correct. And that's fine. The amount was substantial. Just had a cesarean section. Should not be out of bed at all. Mm. But obviously, I know my child is in distress. So I'm going yeah everybody's accommodating me, which I appreciated so much. Mm-hmm. So I'm down there. My dad comes and he sits on the bench outside of the NICU And I say to him, Dad, this is the situation. Connor has something called pulmonary hypertension. He requires nitric oxide. We don't have it here. He needs to go to Miami. Correct. So we were able to get that part sorted out. Mm -hmm. We got an air ambulance, okay? Mm -hmm. So the doctors at Miami Hospital, they're on the tarmac in the the air ambulance coming for Connor and they were stopped. What do you mean? They were stopped because of new regulations, right? Being put in place at that time, they were stopped. I'm going to tell you, we were sent a document like this big of forms to fill out in order to get them off the tarmac. So that was another delay by 14 hours all the time. My child is struggling to breathe. Mm -hmm. The incredible doctors at the hospital are taking turns manually ventilating and bagging him manually with their hand because he was not tolerating the, the ventilator. So they oh took turns. Gosh. Oh, they did I not not just. Yep. Consultants who I would have worked with in the past heard about it. They left their house. They left where they were in the hospital and they came and they manually bagged him. Manually. And hmm. before we even got to that point, there was a point where we absolutely thought he was not going to make it. Because the pediatrician would have come for my husband and I from my room, and she said, "You, you two, you, you're going to have to come now. He's blue, and you're going to have to come." And as my husband and I were walking down, we were like, "We, this is it. This is it. This baby we've known for a day and a half. This is it." When we got down to the NICU, they escorted us into a side room and we literally prayed like out loud. We were the only people in the room and we prayed and we prayed like we never have prayed together before. And I would say about 10 minutes later, one of the doctors came in and she was like, and I know her personally. And she said, Melissa, Connor's pink. He's pink and his oxygen is above 90 which was incredible because it was dropping down into the 40s and the 50s Mm. and she was like your child is fighting (laughs) at that point he literally was fighting them his pediatrician had grave difficulty intubating him because at 4 pounds he was literally pushing her hand away Away. yeah so at that point he pinked up the saturations went up, the air ambulance was still on the tarmac, they were manually bagging him just to make sure he remained pink, made sure that, you know, they bite him in, a, in the correct way, Wait, because with yeah. preemies, you have to be careful not to mm. overinflate inflate the lungs, it can cause a pneumothorax, all these complications could occur, none of that happened. And eventually whatever restriction they had was lifted and the morning, the Friday morning now, so remember he was delivered Tuesday, Tuesday, so we are the Friday morning now. We, we hired a private ambulance to collect the doctors from the airport because we didn't want to put extra strain on our public system. Right. Um, you know, you're thinking about all these things, but we got a private ambulance to get them. And I remember friends. So I don't know. In Barbados, our, our airport is in Christchurch and our hospital is in St. Michael so Mm -hmm. i have friends who were who worked or worked in buildings on the way so they heard the ambulance like when i tell you this is the part that gets me emotional because the amount of people we had in our corner was amazing and they literally would call me and say melissa the ambulance just passed they're coming just hold on they're coming like th- those were the kind of calls I was getting. They're coming. They're coming. They should be there soon. They should be there soon. And we heard when they turned into the hospital.
0: Mm.
1: And my sister, who has been such, I don't know, the, the, the strength she exhibited too, never shed a tear. Always very similar to me. What are we doing? What do we need to do next? How are we getting mm-hmm. this baby out of Barbados. When I tell you they have the doctors and her support staff came through the NICU doors. They basically had a mini NICU on a stretcher. Mm -hmm. And when those doors spread open and they Mm -hmm. came in, my sister collapsed because it was just this relief, Relief. this relief that they were there this relief so they went inside they took her took him off of our ventilator the ventilator we were using and put them immediately on their own Mm -hmm. and they started the nitric oxide and at that point the doctor calls me in and she says come 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 and see and saturations were perfect Plum normal, 100%. She's like, This is all he needed. Your baby will be fine. And then she says to me, I am so sorry. I am so sorry I did not get here before. And I was like, How you mean? It wasn't your fault. Exactly. But she apologized and she said, I was not leaving your son. And then she explained to me, her shift ended. She Mm -hmm. was on that plane when her shift ended and she refused to get off. She was like, no, I, I, I'm I, coming for him. <laughs> she was like, no. And the pilot said the same thing. They were like, refuel this plane. We're going to Barbados. And we don't know these people. Mm-hmm. It, it just speaks to humanity at its yes. core. Yes. Right? And how, you know, you, you just want to help and ensure that the skills you have can be shared with somebody else and helped to save a life. And that's exactly what they did. They literally Mm -hmm. saved Connor's life, right? And at that point, well, we would have discussed a couple hours before who would have gone with Connor because I would have just had a cesarean section. I could not travel. My husband was not emotionally ready. He was distraught at the thought of losing his son. And my mom said, she's going to go. Oh. And they treated my mom incredibly well as well. Mm-hmm. So they got to the airport. We would have called ahead to the airport. They went through a special exit onto the tarmac on nice. this plane. And they went to Miami. Back
0: to Miami. Yeah.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Listen to me, Mel. It's a lot. I, I knew that yeah. something happened. Yeah. But as you said, you know, it was very difficult for you to talk about it. I had no idea. And that, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. If anybody ever came to me and said that, all right, this might be it. Basically, come and say goodbye to your son.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is, it really is uh, a story of resilience. A story of support, a story of love, a story of strong will, <laughs> yes. a story of support. It it really is a story of a number of things all together. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, you know, you, you make these connections with people, but you never know when next y- you will come across them. Let's be yeah. clear on that, because mm-hmm. when I left QBH, I currently work at a psychiatric hospital, as I mentioned before. So I would not be in contact with a lot of my colleagues and people I would have built relationships with, you know, any past. But then these same people are the people who came and absolutely fought. They fought for us. And then the staff in Miami fought for us and they don't don't know nothing about us. As soon as they got there, my mom, they obviously would have gotten settled. And my mom would have told me, well, we're here now. The doctors are in with him. Mm -hmm. And then the doctors spoke to me on the phone. Mm -hmm. So I knew exactly what was happening. happening. Mm You know, they thought everybody's mind kept going back to why did your water break in the first place? Is this a reason why he was having difficulty breathing? And was it an infection? that's what we thought at first was it a lung infection but the swabs that were done the blood tests that were done for me were all normal Clear. they were perfectly normal right mm-hmm. so up to this day nobody can say for sure why wow. it happened and I mean even accommodating me because after the cesarean section obviously I would have wanted to go to Miami immediately but mm-hmm. I couldn't travel but I, I joined him five seven days later um I went to Miami and his room like he had a huge room I can't even because I'm not good with sizes so I'm even gonna try with a size yeah. but a huge room and in his room had a bedroom a bathroom and everything where my mom and I stayed so we didn't have to then go to Miami and find a and accommodation find a and worry and... about that. It was amazing. And then the nurses would, you know, wake me up and ask me, you know, do you want to try to breastfeed or do you want us to feed him while you while you sleep? Because they knew the story and they were like, you need to rest. So mm-hmm. what we're going to do is that we're going to feed Connor. And now I'm on the talk about feeding. Feeding, yes. Another set of drama occurred because remember I was saying... It was difficult to breastfeed initially. Yeah. So I pumped the milk and then he would have left. But I continued to get up every three hours like he was here to pump and store it. Yeah. So I was adamant that I did not want Connor to receive formula feeds as yet. Yeah. So my dad and I were like, so what are we going to do? So we went to UPS, this amazing gentleman there, his name is Hugh, would we'll never mm-hmm. forget him. And we say to him, This is what happened. My son is in Miami and I would like to mail my breast milk. And he looks at me like, Yeah, you're crazy. Mail your bre- We've never done that. I said, I know. I can imagine <laughs> it's the first request. <laughs> But however you could see this working, I would like to do it. So he brainstorms, he brainstorms. And he says, well, there's this particular cooler that you can go and buy at one of our hardware stores. we are going to fill it with ice. And, you know, he was going to wrap it and make sure that it was insulated. And by then I had... I had pumped and I had dated the breast milk. So I knew the order in which I wanted them to give. And, you know, there's something called colostrum. And I really wanted him to make sure he got that because the antibodies would have helped him in his fight. And girl, my, men, my mind went all the way there. Yeah. So we mailed it the, around four o'clock that evening. And by 10 o'clock the next morning, it got to Miami. Wow. And the nurses got my mom to call and let me know that it was there. And I wasn't sure when Connor would have been able to have it Mm -hmm. because he was still ventilated. But the goal was to wean him on that day Mm -hmm. off this ventilator. And he did incredibly well coming off of the ventilator. He was breathing on his own. And he had my breast milk as his first feed. So oh. I was not there, but he had it. He That's had it. And miracle. I was so happy about that. And yes. even arriving in Miami a few days later, you know, to really describe the feeling of seeing him and being able to hold him for the first mm. time. Because think about it. I haven't held my baby. No, I haven't held him. I knew he was OK because my mom did an excellent job of sending videos and and. Yes. um tell I me mean, how did you updates.
0: cope how did you cope during that period where you're oh, separated from your baby oh that was very hard
1: yeah that was very hard through? I hardly slept mm-hmm. because I was constantly thinking you know during the night what's happening you know are things changing for the worse and is it that like my mom doesn't want to call me because she knows I'm trying to rest that Girl, I didn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I did yeah. not sleep. And that the the nurses in Miami would be very aware of that. and that's why they encouraged me to sleep a lot yeah. while they fed him the breast milk. And then in a few days, after I would have caught up on sleep. Then I would get up every three hours, and I would have fed him. And then we would have then tried actual breastfeeding. Yes. So I had an amazing lactation specialist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would come to my room, and we would did it. We would have done it, but at the same time, it was difficult. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why it was very, very painful, very, very painful. But I, I pushed through with the pumping to make sure he did get that. And he did get breast milk for the first nine months because I continuously pumped. pumped. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So you weren't able to latch and breastfeed during that period so you did a mix or it was just strictly bottle feed from with right breast so i was
1: able he was able to latch that improved and i as i said it was very painful but i mm-hmm. i bored pain because i yeah. really wanted that connection with him and you know the bonding experience mm-hmm. so some days were a lot better than others but i will right. say he received more bottle feeds with the breast, breast milk, milk than mm-hmm. actual latching on yeah right
0: mm-hmm. okay okay yeah.
1: So now that
0: you've reflected on that experience, what is one piece of advice you would give to younger Melissa based on what you went through?
1: Yeah. I would say trust the process. Trust the process because at the time it may seem as though the end is not reachable or the end will not be favorable because obviously in a situation like that, you're thinking the worst, you're thinking the worst and you're kind of trying to prepare your mind for the worst. But at the same time, I would tell myself just trust the process is going to work out. It is going to work out. There are things that are beyond your control, Recognize right. the things you have control over mm-hmm. and focus on those, those. and Also, something I'm also working on now Mm -hmm. is allowing others to help just release that control a bit and allow others to help because the truth is in that situation there's no way I could have done that on my own no way no No no. way I needed so many other resources Mm -hmm. and it really reiterates to me now you know I really do need to ask for help help I still struggle with that but (laughs) yes that's exactly what I would tell
0: myself and I will tell you Melissa Yeah. I've done multiple interviews. Yeah. And that seems to be the running theme. True. Asking for help. So it's not a you thing. It's not correct. You know, Mm -hmm. I think as I don't know if it's a Caribbean woman thing. I can only speak because I am Caribbean, but yeah, we just we just feel like it's this badge of honor to do everything on our own, figure it out, fight through. And I think part of it is that his generationally. It's been done before, so I'm not going to complain about it. It's been done before. um, I'm not going to ask for help because how did my mother do it? She did it on her own. So then I should be able to do it on my own. But the reality is that
1: we need help and we should ask for help. We should. And the thing about it is because it's been done for eons doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it's right. Correct. It doesn't mean it's right. And not only that, it creates this level of shame Mm -hmm. among women when they're unable to live up to these ridiculous Ridiculous. standards. Yep. And expectations. No. And then, you know, I always take it back to mental health. That's my passion. That's what I love. But it affects you in so many other ways. Mm -hmm. So many other ways. And then you as a person, you're everything for everyone. But who are you for you? Mm -hmm.
0: So for our listeners, right? What advice would you give to that expectant mother listening to your story? I mean, yeah. nobody wants that kind of story as their birth Absolutely story, not. right? Yeah. Um, but it happens. Yeah. It's, a, it's a reality. And it just mm-hmm. speaks to the fact that every baby born healthy and without complication is a miracle. Nothing okay. short of a miracle. Yeah. And we just have to be so grateful for that, that when your baby is born, you know, healthy, you just have to be grateful because so many women don't have that experience. No. And don't have that opportunity. So what, what advice would you give to an expectant mother right now listening? Yeah.
1: So I would say, listen to your body. It is absolutely imperative that you do, but at the same time, enjoy the process because it's very easy to get carried away. It is mm-hmm. very easy for every little stick and pain and you know it is easy to get carried away but once you trust yourself and you listen to your body it is easier than to find out the type of intervention or help that you may require okay and then as I was saying earlier reaching out for help is imperative whether it is a friend whether it is a family member whether it is a professional service. That is also very important. If you have questions, you definitely ask your OB. They're able to answer a lot of your questions. Mm-hmm. And as I was saying, if that becomes a bit above them and that they're not fully answering you, then you they definitely will make a referral to someone right. else to do that. But mm-hmm. apart from that, I would say enjoy it. Enjoy mm-hmm. it. It is such an amazing experience. I remember... Now that we said that, being in the shower all morning, and I think I had to be, because my tummy was pretty big at that time. So I had to be in my second trimester going into my third. And I remember saying, oh my God, there's a baby in my belly. Yes. <laughs> it, so, it's it, is so it's it is so crazy. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. The the actual movement, and I have a good uh. few videos of my tummy just moving Mm -hmm. and you know, the waves and Connor Uh. and I I recognized from early, he loved music. So I would always go and get, like his dad created a, a playlist for him too. Oh. And I would get these huge headphones, very low volume, of course. And I would mm-hmm. put them on my tummy and I would always feel him come over to this side. Oh. And yeah, they, they, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing experience. I mean, yes. as you rightfully said, nobody would want to or even imagine going through what I went through. Yeah. But up until that point, it was wonderful. It was, it was wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I would love if you, well, actually what I want to do as well is offline, I'm going to get you to give me some of this information with respect to how people can access your services. So I can yes. put it in the show notes. Oh, that and would then, be great. Yeah, yes. So that people can then, because a major part of this podcast as well is resources and being able as a region to build that Mm -hmm. body of resources where wherever we are, we can access help if we need to. So I'm going to put that in the show notes. So we'll talk about that after. Um, but for now, the last final thing that I want to wrap up with is for you to choose a song that's (laughs) representative of your journey,
1: motherhood,
0: pregnancy, motherhood, and we know you had a journey. So What song comes to mind? Yeah, yeah.
1: What what song comes to mind is, and it's not a song. It's a children's song. It is "You Are My Sunshine" Mm because you know it says "You Are My Sunshine." You are my sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You never know dear how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. And for me. That was exactly it. Like you, you never know how much I love you. Even you can start with pregnancy. Im- yeah. Immediate love from mm-hmm. the time I knew. And mm-hmm. then don't take it away when he was, you know, you don't mm-hmm. want him to pass. pass but yeah. then after he was born, I noticed that there's another um, verse in that song. And it is talking about. Well, I don't know it word for word, but it's saying the other night, dear, as you lay sleeping, I dreamt, I held you in my arms. And that particular part is definitely when he was in Miami Mm because he was asleep, obviously over there and me wanting to hold him. So dreaming about him, Mm -hmm. you know, and just the love that you you feel. So Mm -hmm. the words to that song, I think, takes us through from. Finding
0: out I was you. pregnant, straight mm-hmm. through to him returning to Barbados for sure. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Melissa. Oh, thank you. Anytime. Thank you. It's been a anytime. blessing having this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And I know my listeners are going to be in awe of everything that you had to say. Yeah. And, you know, just so grateful that you volunteered to share your story with us. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. thank you. I wish you all the best. Much thank love. You to Jamal and Connor oh, and your mommy you so and your daddy and your sister yeah, everybody
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, and tell yes. your daddy
0: he really gets a gold star from me listen to oh, me oh yes for I sure I thought it was he just is. the housework but oh, he's on another level
1: a whole nother level like the real MVP here redealing with par- for yeah, sure yeah. oh His for daddy. sure so, <laughs> yeah so thank you so much for having me you're I most like said this is honestly the first time Chanel that mm-hmm. I have completely
0: yes in
1: a public forum mm-hmm. right discuss what would have happened my feelings surrounding what would have happened the details yeah. like my family know the my immediate family, immediate family. know the details mm-hmm. but a lot of people who you know they knew he was a gal well and you know you know the general story but this is the first time and I I feel honored mm-hmm. and I feel absolutely comfortable to be able to give you those details and offer, you know, a platform where women say, you know, well, I did that too. Or, you know, that happened to me too. And Mm -hmm. they recognize, you know, that that's, that it's okay. It's okay okay. to have challenges and it's okay to have some stumbling blocks anyway, but Mm -hmm. how you come out of it on the other side is the key that's the key so thank you so much you're most
0: welcome so see you later bye